Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thanks so much for joining me today. This episode is a replay, not of a podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, this is not something you've heard before. This is actually a live workshop that I hosted just a few days ago. And instead of emailing out the replay to my email list or to everyone who registered, I thought I would give it a place here to live on the podcast Back in episode 1155, I walked you through a framework not only for setting goals, but for dramatically increasing your likelihood of achieving those goals. And in doing so, I got a lot of people reaching out for questions, saying, I loved the framework, but for this goal, how would I make it work? Or what do you think about this? Would this be appropriate for this step? Or is this good enough for this step? And I decided to go live so that I could truly workshop it with several hundred of you guys who joined me the other night. And it was a really great way. People had business goals. They had money goals. They had weight loss goals. They had strength and fitness goals. They had uh, home improvement goals. You name it. We saw just about every different type of goal from people who wanted to lose 50 pounds, people who wanted to lose 20 pounds, people who wanted to get a lot stronger, people who wanted to have better relationships with their parents or who wanted to take better care of their home, lots of people who wanted to get out of debt or reach certain milestones in their business, somebody who was working on their uh, doctoral dissertation and had a goal around that for the year. And we broke down this process and applied it to real people in real time, specific goals and specific action steps. So I'm really, really pumped to share this with you. I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side. Thanks for being here. I'm Elizabeth Benton. I'm the host of the Primal Potential podcast. I've been doing that for nine plus years, which is just crazy and amazing and The podcast wouldn't exist and none of the programs that I run with would exist without you. So thanks for being a part of it. It certainly means a lot to me. I have a tremendous passion for helping people get unstuck because I felt very stuck for such a long time. And I know how exhausting that can feel. And I know how frustrating it can be to have very clear and compelling goals and then not do the work to get there. And maybe you do the work sometimes, but then you don't do the work sometimes, and it feels like something's always getting in your way. And the truth about that is it very much takes away from our experience of life. It takes away from how we connect with people. It takes away from our confidence and the things that we opt to do in our life. And in a lot of ways, for a lot of us, it keeps us on the sidelines. And it's almost like this constant undercurrent in our minds, sometimes it feels like an undertow, that is just draining. And I feel very strongly about helping people get through that. Because we all know that there are a million plans and approaches and books and podcasts and programs and protocols. I mean, you could really start a new thing every single day. And while it's amazing to have all of this access to all of these different approaches, it also can allow us to be inconsistent with good intentions. Well, I was trying this, but then this thing came up and then I wanted to read this book and maybe I should try this approach. 
and it's a huge distraction. When I did episode 1155, where I was talking about an approach for goal setting, I had a girlfriend send me a text message after the episode aired, and it's somebody in the personal development industry. And she said, you know, what you're talking about in your approach to goals that you want to achieve is so different from what other people do, because most people don't give folks the tools for execution. Anybody can set big goals and anybody can have them be clear and specific and measurable and time-bound and actionable and all these things. But the struggle is not in the goal setting. The struggle is in the goal achieving, right? I'm sure that many of us, I know I've been in this situation where we have the clear goal and we spend a lot of time crafting it and we really, really want it. And then we just don't follow through. Maybe we have an entire year or an entire decade of two steps forward, three steps back, or a few good days or a few good weeks and a few crappy days and a few crappy weeks. And we're just treading water and we've been working on the same thing for way longer than it ought to take us to get there. And I wanted to go live after that episode so that we could talk through this structure in a way that you can ask questions and you can say, hey, my goal is this. How does this fit here? Or how would I come up with an action step for something like this? Or these are my quarterly targets. Do you think they're appropriate? Because I love the podcast. It's probably one of the top two or three things that I love doing in my work more than anything else. But its limitation is that you're not there in real time. You're not live with me. And so that's why I wanted to do this tonight. You might notice that it says chat disabled. That is okay, nothing is wrong. I opt for that option because when we have, we have like over a thousand people register for this webinar tonight. When you have this constantly scrolling chat that's moving so fast you can't keep up with it, it can be very, very distracting. So instead of that, the Q&A is open, and that means that you can message me directly. Other people aren't going to see your message, but I will be able to review any questions that come in uh, or anything that needs to be clarified, anything you want me to dive into more deeply. So please use that. One of the things that I always say to my clients in the consistency course, and I'll say it again here because it needs to be said, is successful people ask for help. If you've heard me say this a million times, I want you to still really tune in because we have to hear things a lot of times for them to become our own. And it's very normal to feel like asking a question puts you in the spotlight. Maybe that's uncomfortable or you're asking something that's a stupid question or that you should know the answer to or you're outing yourself as not understanding or as struggling. But successful people ask for help. There is no shame in asking for questions. It's not a weakness. It's actually a strength. So at any point, if something comes up and you're like, I don't really get that or I don't know how to do that or I don't know how that applies here use me. That is the whole reason I am here tonight and not putting Roman to bed, right? The whole reason I decided to do this. I'm not pitching you anything. I don't have anything to sell you tonight. I'm here to help you. So the first thing that I want to ask you, we are now, what is today? The 15th, the 16th, something like that of January. Tell me in the Q&A, how does your momentum and your excitement 
as it relates to your goals, how does it compare to what it was on January 1st? Are you feeling more momentum and more excitement or are you feeling less momentum or less excitement? And that really matters in terms of what we're coming in. There's no right or wrong, right? But I want to understand where you're at. Julia says it's stronger. Sarah says less momentum. Katie says it's dwindling. Uh, Cindy says more momentum. Uh, Monica says definitely less. Leah says it's the same. Jennifer says same. Uh, Nita says already feeling less. Kathy says more. Cheryl says more. Patricia says less. Danielle says less for sure. Excuses are creeping in. Okay. This is so common and normal. In fact, I don't know if you've heard of the phrase quitter's day, but around January 11th, January 12th, they've coined it quitter's day because less than two weeks, we can experience a lessening of momentum. And it doesn't matter if it's January or it's March or it's August, how many times in a year do we commit and recommit and recommit and recommit? We have new things that motivate us and new changes we wanna make and new goals that we set. It just happens to be the beginning of the year where this is a, a more common occurrence. But I wanna say this, it's not a problem. It's not a problem to feel less momentum as long as we engage with that intelligently. Okay, I know that there are probably things competing for your attention right now, but this is important. So if Facebook is open, close Facebook. If you're scrolling on your phone, set that aside because I don't want you to miss something that could really genuinely help you, okay? Feeling less momentum, feeling like there's more excuses coming up, feeling apathetic. It's not a problem. It's information. And we get the opportunity to be curious about it and be creative in our response to it instead of what often happens is, what the heck is wrong with me? We're not even two weeks into the year. I guess we are technically now, but you know what I mean, that January 11th, 12th, Quitter's Day we're, we're halfway into the month, we're two weeks into the year, and I'm already feeling fizzled out or not as excited or not as motivated. Like, here we go again. With a lot of love, that is a lot of drama, and it's not going to serve you. That drama is not going to help you. I'm not here to suggest that you can just turn it off. You probably can't. It is probably a pattern for you, but you can recognize it and say, hey, look, these feelings are going to come and go. I'm going to have weeks where I'm super motivated and I'm going to have weeks where I'm not super motivated and that's okay. I want to be a little more deliberate in how I respond to this. The cool thing about what I want to share with you tonight is that the process functions independent of how you feel. That I was telling uh, the folks in the consistency course the other day that I'm putting together a cheat sheet for them of five mindsets that I'm going to challenge them to memorize, truly memorize, that are required for success. And this this mindset that we're talking about here very well might make the list of five. I haven't I haven't finished putting it together yet, but this notion that. Well, if I'm not feeling excited or if excuses are arising, I'm defeated, it's got to change. 
this process that I'm going to take you through tonight is for a lot of people going to be that minimum effective dose of action that I can do even when I've had a stressful day at work, even when the kids were up all night, even if I'm in a funk, even if I'm not seeing results. I don't want anybody here taking on a lot of change. Not at first. Where we start is not where we stay. But a big reason that people struggle to make change is because they're expecting of themselves a level of execution that exceeds their readiness for change. And so when they've had a bad day at work, when they get a cold, when the kids were up all night, they're not willing to do it. Let's get into the process. There's three things I want to talk to you about tonight that I didn't talk about in episode 1155. But if you have not listened to episode 1155, please, please make yourself a note to do so um, because it's an important foundation for everything that we are going to talk about. In addition to those three things that I'm going to talk about, we didn't talk about in episode 1155, I want to primarily use this time to dive into your goals and your action steps and your quarterly targets because this is a workshop, because we're here live together, because you don't need to wonder and think, oh, I've got to figure that out or, oh yeah, I meant to go through that process, but I haven't yet. Let's do it together tonight because we don't need to waste any more time. And we need that clarity and we need that specificity to get going. So what we're gonna talk about is a process, not just for setting goals, but for achieving goals. As I said at the start, anybody can set goals. We've probably all set a lot of goals and you might even set great goals and check all of the boxes of everything a goal should be, right? But it's an entirely different skill set altogether to show up and do the work to get there, to troubleshoot, to lean in, to respond intelligently when you notice your tendency to drift or disengage. That's a different skill altogether. And God bless the people who emphasize this process for setting goals. Yeah, there's value in it, but it's missing. Like it's kind of the, have you seen those memes on social media that are an iceberg and it's, you know, this little bit of ice above the surface of the water. And it says like, this is what you see. And then there's this massive iceberg underneath the surface of the water and says, this is what you don't see. That's very much the way it is with goals. Setting the goals and that skill set, that's like this much. Everything else that it takes is what you don't see is what is less talked about. And that's getting yourself to do it. Katrina just said in the uh, Q&A, is there a step-by-step -step process you go through to measure readiness for change? No, there is not a step-by-step -step process that I go through for readiness to change, but there is a step-by-step -step process that I take my clients through in the consistency course for breaking it down and asking yourself, where am I willing to start? So it's not assessing your readiness for change, but it is a process for really getting in touch with what you're willing to do now, which is similar, but different. Okay, let's talk about this first step. 
I want you to establish where you want to be in about a year. You, you could do this for a smaller period of time, but we're going to use the example of a year. If you want to do this for a quarter, go ahead and do it for a quarter. But we're going to use the example for a year. In one to three different areas of your life, establish where you want to be in about a year. Now, if you are somebody who has historically struggled to reach your goals, I want you to pick only one area. I know that there's probably 12 areas that you want to improve. I want you to pick one. And when I say establish where you want to be in one to three areas of your life, I don't mean I want to be healthier. A lot of folks are not anywhere near specific enough. And it's because they don't want to take the time to do the intellectual work because they just are interested in results. My husband is not a talker or a processor or a personal development kind of guy. And a lot of times when I ask him questions, he'll be like, I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's intellectually lazy. And I see that a lot of times where people struggle because they're being intellectually lazy. I'm not calling you lazy. And if you are lazy, that's okay. We can still crush our goals and have those tendencies, but I want you to have an awareness of it when you paint with a broad brush. I want everything to be different. I want everything to change. I want to be healthier. I want to lose weight. That just lacks a degree of intentionality and specificity and like time really thinking about it. So an example would be, I want to be down 50 pounds by the end of this year. Or I want to have put on 15 pounds of muscle by the end of this year. Or I want to have a manuscript for my first book written by the end of this year. Something very specific. Rachel said weight loss, but more importantly, strength and mobility. So I want you to be able to quantify that because we can't break it down into pieces when it's general. We need it to be specific. When you say like more strength, what does that mean as measured by what? Do you want to be able to do five pull-ups? You want to be able to do 10 real push-ups on your toes? You want, what is it that you want? Mobility, what does that mean? Mobility might be a process and not an end result, but you your degree of specificity has to be high, 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 high. Uh, Isabella, consistency on eating my four meals a day and not snack in between. That might be a process more than it is an outcome because I would say to you, why? Why does that matter? Why do you want to eat four meals a day? Why do you not want to snack in between? That a lot of times our initial idea is kind of a starting point. Sarah says 50 pounds down. Fantastic. Grace says 23 to 25% body fat by March 31st. Great. Uh, Carrie says, I want to get to 150 pounds, lose 30 pounds and maintain that weight. Those are very specific and great. Melissa's got a great one. Pay off $40,000 of debt by the end of 2024. Perfect. That'll fit right in here. Uh, Elizabeth said, pay off credit card debt. I want to know how much, what specific amount do you want to pay off in what time frame? Uh, Ellie says zero credit card debt. So obviously you don't have to put in here, Ellie, but like make sure that that has a number, a specific thing uh, that, that you know it's this amount because paying off $20,000 in debt 
is going to work in the process of breaking things down and where your quarterly targets are, uh, it's going to allow you to be a lot more targeted in your approach. Um, and it says debt paid off. Just be very, very clear on what debts, how much. Um, uh, Heidi's got a, a business one here. I want my business to grow by 5%. Love that. 5% what? 5% customer base, 5% top line revenue, 5% uh, profit. Which line do you want to it grow by 5%, right? If your customer base grows by 5%, is that enough? Is it your top line revenue? Nope, that doesn't matter because if the expenses are higher, what is the 5% growth that you want to see? Um... All right. A lot of these are really great. Vanessa says, I want to put on muscle, but how do I know what is realistic? Is it better that I want to say I want to add 15 pounds of muscle or that I wanted to be able to do an unassisted pull-up? It's not about better. It's about what you want, right? When you say you want to put on muscle, my question for a clarifying question to help you with the goal is why? Why does that matter? Uh, Ronnie says, can it be that I want to consistently exercise in the morning six days a week? It can be, but that is likely to be more of a process because there's a why. Why do you want that? Is there some fitness goal you're striving for? Is there some health marker that matters to you? Why is that important? Um, Gail says she wants to be able to walk one mile. I love that. Uh, Josette says lose 45 pounds. That's fantastic. Uh, Leah says lose 15 pounds um, and grow her income to a certain amount per month. Love that. Uh, Anna says, can you differentiate goals versus, but there's not another word there. Um, if you type in the whole thing, then I'll be able to answer that happily. All right. These are, these are so good. Barb says hemoglobin A1C less than five. I love that. Kim says, get stronger through fitness. That is a great starting point, but it needs to be much more specific than that. What does that mean? How do you know if you're stronger? Why is that important to you? Um, got a lot about debt here. These are fantastic. A lot of specific uh, weight goals. These are fantastic. A lot of credit card debt. Okay, uh, Anna says processes versus systems versus habits. Yep, we're going there, Anna. So hang with me while we go through this process because right now we're in goals and then we're gonna talk about a specific process and also habits. All right, Patricia says start a tutoring business. Fantastic, these are all so good, you guys. Um, Gigi says, I want more muscle, which I would qualify as more stamina not sure how to be more clear. Well, how would you know if you have more stamina, right? Sometimes when we're like, I don't really know like how to quantify that. Well, how are you going to know if you got there? What is it going to look like or feel like for you? What are you going to have or not have so that you know, check, I did it. I have more stamina. Um, Maria says, hire and fully onboard one new employee. Love that successfully complete my four projects at work. Sarah says, Becca says, send out one to two marketing emails per month and feel good about it. Is there an annual goal to go with that, Becca? All right. Um, Megan says, reduce my C-reactive protein to normal levels. So do you know what you would consider normal? Is normal the target? Is healthy the target? Do you know what specifically the target is? You're going to need that to be very specific. 
Katie says, I desire to have me time in the morning each day for myself to include workout, meditate, quiet time. I'd love for you to look at why. Why is that important? What are you hoping to get from that? Um, Gloria says, what do you do if you have difficulty having a long-term vision? For example, I would like to build my business, but I don't know how. If it's a membership, group coaching, individual coaching, how do you figure that out? So in terms of having a long-term vision, some of us would consider a year long-term. Some of us would not consider a year long-term. But if you want to build your business, it goes back to that question in terms of figuring out how. Well, why? What is it that you want? Do you want more money? Okay, which of these would be most profitable? Do you want to impact more people? Okay, what would allow you to do that? Do you want more freedom of time? What would allow you to do that? Do you want to have a big team of employees? What would allow you to do that? Those why questions usually help you to figure that stuff out. Um, Deb wants to be off a of medication by the end of 2024. I love that. Andy's got a great question. How would you set a goal around relationships? I.e., I want to spend more time with my mom. I really like that one. And I would say that you'll find as we go through these, let's let's use this as an example. So the next step that we would do once we have uh, these one to three specific things that we want to improve, and again, if you've struggled to improve things in your life, I encourage you to do just one. And before we get on with Andy's example, I'll say this. There's a lot of people who feel a resistance to doing just one. Like, they can't you just do one. I Yeah, I want to lose weight, but I also need to get out of debt and I also need to do that. It doesn't mean you're only working on one thing. For example, I don't have a goal around relationships with my kids, but you better believe I put time and effort into that every day, just as a natural course of the day. Um, I have goals around my investment. I have I don't have goals around my investments, but you better believe that I check in with my financial advisor and I have an idea of where I want to go but it's not getting my primary focus every single day, day in and day out, okay? So that's an important thing to keep in mind for people who are resistant to just do one. Trust me on that. Okay, then we're gonna define quarterly targets. I'll know I'm on track if. So for Andy, how would you set goals around relationships like wanting to spend time with your mom? Well, how would you know you were on track for that goal by the end of quarter one? Maybe you would say, uh, I've had her over for dinner at least once a week, or I have gone to her house on Saturdays once a month for each of the three months in the quarter. What are things that would have to happen for you to get to the end of quarter one and know you are on track for that? That clarifying question, which is also the next step in the process, can really help with relationship goals. So let's say you had a goal with your spouse. Well, if you had been on three date nights by the end of quarter one, you might know that you were on track. Or if you had had uh, you know, two evenings every single week where there was no phones, no phones out after the kids go to bed or something like that would indicate that you are on track for that goal. So once we have that bigger picture, this is where I'd like to be in this area in about a year, for each of the four quarters in the year, I want you to define a quarterly target that basically allows you to say, if I'm here by then, I'll know I'm on track. 
That is not the same as dividing by four. Let me tell you why. Let's say you have the goal of paying off $40,000 in debt. You might not say, I'll, if I have 10,000 paid off in the first quarter, I'll know I'm on track and another 10,000 in the next quarter, another 10, because you might realize, actually it'll probably go a little slower in the first quarter, but then once some of those smaller debts are gone, I'll be able to pay more in the second quarter and then a little more in the third quarter. So the first quarter might start out a little slow. Or if you have a goal of writing a book in 2024, you don't say like, I'm going to have a quarter of it written at the end of the first quarter. You might say, uh, I've got a thorough outline done by quarter one. And then I have my first draft done by the end of quarter two. And then I've gotten through three revisions and multiple peer reviews, say three peer reviews by the end of quarter three. And then by the end of quarter four, final revisions are done and it's submitted to an editor, uh, you know, publisher, whatever. If you have a weight loss goal, let's say you want to lose 40 pounds over the course of a year. That doesn't mean that it's 10, 10, 10, 10. You might say, well, I'm starting off a little slower because of my readiness to change. So maybe I only lose, you know, six pounds in the first quarter. And then I gradually, as momentum builds, do a little more. Or you might say the opposite. I know I tend to lose weight faster at the start. And then as I get closer to my goal, it's slower. And so that impacts the breakdown of things. But I want you to define quarterly targets. I'll know I'm on track if what? So I have an income goal for my businesses as a whole. And I look at, okay, first quarter is mostly planning and getting things in place. My first quarterly target is not in any way about revenue of any of my businesses. My first quarterly target is about, do I have these things defined? Do I have these systems in place? Do I have these things set up so that quarter two is ready to kick things into gear? Define quarterly targets as I'll know I'm on track if this. Gail says my chat is disabled. You are correct. We chatted about that a little bit at the start. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It just means that there's not some scrolling with hundreds and hundreds of people commenting thing and you can see everybody's comments. You can just message me directly. Um, Vanessa has a great one here. Complete a first draft of my dissertation. So that's a really powerful one for breaking down into quarterly targets. I need to be here by the end of quarter one, here by the end of quarter two, here by the end of quarter three, all of those things. Carol says, I want to have 10 new clients by the end of the year. Okay, so it might start that you have one new client at the end of quarter one, but then you've got a total of four by the end of quarter two, and then you've got a total of you know six or seven by the end of quarter three, and you hit that 10 by the end of quarter four. Um. Sarah said quarter one, 10 pounds, quarter two, 15 pounds, quarter three, 15 pounds, quarter four, 10 pounds. I like that. I like that a lot. We'll talk about how we get there in the next step. Sherry says, does it make sense to set the same goal that I've set for the last 10 years, but never succeeded in reaching, or should I set a more achievable goal? Well, did you not reach it because it's not achievable? Or did you not reach it because you weren't engaged and consistently doing the work? That's a very different thing. There's a very big gap between I set a goal to lose 200 pounds in a year, potentially unrealistic, depending on the individual, or I set a goal to lose 50 pounds and I was just super inconsistent. 
that has nothing to do with the goal being achievable or not, and everything to do with a process for execution and holding yourself accountable. Uh, Darlene says, if you don't need all four quarters to finish, should maintaining the daily habits be the third and fourth quarter goals? It depends, right? It depends on the goal. If you have a goal to write a book and you're going to have it done by halfway through the year, then there's no maintenance necessary for the third and fourth goals. Um, but if you have a fitness goal, I can't tell you if your goal is going to be to maintain that or you're going to come at it with a whole new and a whole new goal. And you get to July, August, and you're like, hey, I achieved it and I don't want to maintain it. I want to go to the next level. So I don't have an answer for that. And I don't think you necessarily need to figure that out now. If you know that it's only going to take you half the year to get to your goal, then you can just repeat this process at that point because I don't know what you're going to want then. And you probably don't know what you're going to want then either. Um, Isabella says, can showing up to the goal 80% on the quarter a target. Example, waking up to go to the gym in the morning four times a week, 80% of the time. So does that mean 80% of four or 80% of the weeks you got up four times? There's nothing wrong with any target if it works for you, but that's something to consider exactly what that means. Carrie says, how many targets should there be? One or more. There's no, like, for example, if you have a goal to lose 50 pounds and your quarterly target is I'll know I'm on track if I'm down, you know, 12 pounds at the end of quarter one, do you need to have another quarterly target? Not necessarily. Is it a problem if you have another quarterly target? No, it very much depends on what your goal is. Uh, Alicia says, I want to eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm comfortably full. How could I break that down? Well, I would ask you, why do you want that? What, what does that deliver to you that is important? What is the result of that that you're seeking? Carrie says, I know I'm on track if I'm at a 10 pound loss at the end of the quarter, 10 more pounds by quarter two and 10 quarter three, maintaining by quarter four. Sounds good. Patricia says, for quarter one, define audience offer pricing. Love that. And I also, Patricia, want to make sure that at this point, you define quarter three, uh, quarter two, quarter three, and quarter four. Um, Lauren, I love yours. Vanessa says, thinking about the goal of being able to chest press and deadlift my body weight, what would quarterly targets look like? For example, Quarterly one goal being like being able to chest press 50 pounds. Let's use the deadlift as an example. Let's say that you want to be able to deadlift 170 pounds and you can currently deadlift 100 pounds, right? Setting these quarterly targets is going to depend in large part on like your training volume and your nutrition and coaching and that sort of thing. But I think that it would be very reasonable to say, uh, I want to be able to deadlift 120 pounds by the end of the first quarter. But it also might be accessory movements. You might not measure progress by the direct lift, for example, uh, using something like deadlifting. You might measure progress by significant improvements in core strength, specific improvements in core strength that are defined 
in a way that relates to your type of workout. Because you might find that in quarter one and quarter two, you're not seeing big movement on those ultimate targets, but you're building the base. You're building the foundation because you're realistically not going to be deadlifting and bench pressing every single day. But by seeing improvements in other things, that could put you in a place by quarter four to be uh, chest pressing and benching and deadlifting your body weight. I'd also have to look at with somebody, is that a realistic goal for a year? And I don't know that based on where you are, right? Is your jump, is your lift going to double in a year? Depends on what your starting point is. Um, but that's also a really big factor here. Is it a reasonable goal for a year? Katrina says, I like the idea of setting a goal to gain muscle. However, I have no clue what a realistic amount of muscle to gain is within a specific time frame. That is going to be very individual based on your current body size, based on your nutrition, based on your training volume, and based on your training type. But before that, I would go to why. Why do you want to gain muscle? And how are you going to know that you got where you wanted to go? Uh, let's see. Patricia says quarter two is using online resources. Okay, cool. She's got all of her, her business goals, uh, broken down 80% of four. So then is your goal, a total number of mornings, like maybe it doesn't have to be about four mornings a week, Isabella, but it can be a total number of mornings over the course of a quarter that you're shooting for. Cause I think it might be getting a little unnecessary complicated, unnecessarily complicated if it's like, oh, well, I don't actually have to get up four times this week because I'm really shooting to get up four times this week, only 80% of the time. That might be a little complex, but if you give yourself a total number for the quarter, that might be more aligned with what it sounds like you're saying. Um, okay, so Darla wants to lose 10 pounds, show up consistently four times per week with workouts, get eight uh, to 10,000 steps at least three times a week. So I would pick eight or 10, but not eight to 10. Giving yourself a range makes it a hard target to hit. If you're good with anything over eight, then the goal is eight. If you want the goal to be 10, make the goal 10. So the next step here is these quarterly targets. I'll know I'm on track if this, all right? I know for me that losing weight at the start of postpartum was challenging, and then it's going to be challenging again as I get closest to my goal. So that meant for me that the first chunk of time and the last chunk of time were going to be a little bit slower, and then it was going to be a little bit uh, a little bit faster progress in that middle segment of time. So that's how I determined my targets for a weight goal. Now, here's where it gets interesting. For just the month you're in, so you're not doing this for February, March, April, May. You're only doing this for January or the month that you are in when you're going through this process. Commit to one to three daily action items, but you're going to do this every month. That's why the word monthly is in there. But for the month you're in, one to three daily action items that drive the quarterly milestone. All right. So using the example of a, a weight loss quarterly milestone, I'll be down 15 pounds by the end of the quarter or something like that. I'm 
focused on one to three daily drivers, things that I'm going to do daily in the month of January that move the needle for that upcoming quarterly milestone, the next upcoming quarterly milestone. The reason that we're not establishing daily action items for February, March, April, May is because at the end of the month, we're going to assess, did it help? Did it move the needle? Was it realistic for me? For somebody's example of like eight to 10,000 steps, if that's one of your action items, but you're finding that more often than not, you're falling short, then we need to switch something. Maybe we need to switch the daily action item, but maybe we need to switch something in your approach. When I was, I think it was in a Strong Foundations call last week, somebody was saying, hey, if you have this 10,000 steps a day goal, how do you recommend achieving that goal if you're somebody who works an office job? And I said, do it before work. Walk for an hour on your treadmill before work. That to me is the easiest way to go about it in that situation, but you might find that doesn't work for me. And so it's not the goal that necessarily needs to change, but the approach of how we're making it work for our life. Just like with the, I don't know what that tapping noise is. Do you guys hear that? I have no idea what that is. That's so weird. Um, it's almost like somebody's like, like messaging me, but they're not. Anyway, that's strange. Um, just like when I was saying, hey, if you're somebody who has struggled to reach a goal in the past, have it be just one. Same thing here with daily action items. If you're doing just one in January, it doesn't mean you can't do two or three in February. If you're doing two in January, you can do three in February. If you know that January is an easier month for you, you can do two and you can go to one in February, but don't overcommit yourself because then you're putting yourself in a situation that's just like everything you've tried before and you set these grand aspirations and then you don't follow through. I want this to be something that is at your willingness to execute. I love it when people push themselves, but this is where, and we're going to talk about this in a second, this is where honesty is very, very, very important. You know when you're biting off more than you're realistically going to do or that you're ready to do right now. It doesn't mean you're never going to be ready for it, but you have to be honest about the fact that maybe you're not ready right now. One to three daily action items for the month that you're in. Right now, mine that are daily are zero sugar, golden rules of carbs and fat loss, and I write down my goals. There are other things that I do that I don't do daily, so they're not my daily drivers. I still focus on them, but they're not my daily focus, my daily non-negotiables. My daily non-negotiables, no sugar, golden rules, writing my goals. I still strength train multiple times a week. I get in my sauna most days but that's not where my emphasis and my priority and my hold my feet to the fire, I'll stay up late and get up early to get this done kind of things. Um, all right. Becca says, do these make sense for quarter one targets? Creating the ideal customer to get emails to, uh, outline emails for six months, send out emails first Friday of every month. Yes. And then you, that could be aligned with your goal. I don't, I can't tell you if that is perfect for you, but you'd want your then daily action items to drive those things. I don't think it's going to take you a quarter to create an ideal customer. I think that could take you an hour, right? Um, Debbie says, is this where I place my response to you? Yes. 
Megan says, I can only realistically get my C-reactive protein tested every three months. Can I use three-month intervals to determine if I am making progress? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there might be other things that you want to measure and monitor, right? So uh, like blood sugar, you might want to use a continuous glucose monitor. You might want to do blood sugar testing because the control of the stress in your body in response to eating can be a big part of lowering your C-reactive protein. So there might be other things that you want to keep an eye on and have as daily action items to drive that goal. Marion says, my goal is to lose weight, to be maintaining my weight within a range, a uh, specific range by the end of the year. Is it appropriate to set quarterly goals to have my weight within a five pound range? Absolutely. That's a really great point. Um, you don't have to have a specific number and feel like if you were one pound shy of that, you blew it. And honestly, that's true with anything. Progress is progress. So these quarterly targets are not mandates. You haven't failed if you're a little bit off, it's information. And one of the keys that I, I cannot tell you how many times I talk about this with my clients, the key to staying in the game and not drifting and disengaging is ditching the drama, the judgment, the, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? We just recognize what we have created or not created and we respond to it intelligently, not with shame, not with judgment, not with pouting, not what, this is what I always do. That kind of stuff doesn't help. Uh, Trish says, what would a daily action item be for trying to pay off credit card debt? I love that. So one would be staying within the budget, right? When I, everybody's different with their budgets, but when I was getting out of debt, we had a very, very clear budget. I had a set amount of like discretionary money per week. We got paid weekly for you. It might be bi-weekly or something like that. Uh, but staying within the budget, maybe it's also writing down your goals. Maybe every single day you're doing one thing to advance your finances. That could be learning something about money. That could be a side hustle that you're investing in. That could be uh, having a call. You're going to spend the first month calling all of your service providers and negotiating a 5% reduction in your rates. There are so many different things that you could do to foster that financial goal. Patricia says, I'm not sure how to do a daily action item for defining my audience, what I offer, how much I charge. So break it down into pieces, right? I uh, was working through a process. I am adding a lot of very exciting things to the consistency course and increasing the price when I do, because it's just going to be bananas. So if you've been thinking about it, get in now. <laughs> it's amazing. Now it's going to be 10 X, maybe 20 X what it not in the price, but in the value. And then the price will also go up, but not 10 X. Um, and so every day I spend at least 20 minutes, uh, of a high priority focus time defining exactly what I'm delivering and how it meets a specific need. So it could be 20 minutes of focused work or it could be 60 minutes of focused work, right? I don't know what your time allows for, but something like define these out specifically. What do you have to do to define your audience? 
bullet point that, well, first I need to do this and then I need to do this and I need to look at this and I need to check out this. What, what do you need to do to define what it is that you offer? Break those down into specific things. Maybe you're doing one of those items every single day. Maybe you're working on one of those items for a specific amount of time every single day. Mimi says, how could I measure a change in the order and cleanliness of my home? It requires maintenance, number of rooms that are clean, orderly, and stay that way. This seems like a process, not a goal. Um, so these daily action items are processes. Uh, in terms of, are you saying like your goal for the year is in how you clean and take care of your house? Um, you know, if I were having a goal like that, it would be something along the lines of my house is always company ready, right? I wouldn't say like this room clean and this room clean because then I'm basically giving myself permission for some room to be a shit show uh, and that would not be productive for me. But in terms of a process, what are the processes you need, need to put in place to support that, right? Maybe one of the things you need to develop is a routine around how you care for your home. So we were in a really, really great routine for a while. And then the twins just got a lot, a lot more time intensive of a load of laundry done from tip to tail every single day, meaning washed, dried, folded, put away. And that just made our lives so much easier. And that was a process for us. I have a process of like, there's a specific day and time when I vacuum. Like I just, that's just how it goes on, on Friday mornings specifically, I'm always swiffering and sweeping, but like on Friday mornings, while the kids are in their high chairs, that's when I vacuum and get up all the dog hair and all that kind of stuff. Maybe what you need to look at are some goals around processes defined and in place. And then your action items can be around incrementally incorporating some of those. Um... Ellie has some specific daily action items, zero sugar training five times a week, pliability routine daily. I love that. Uh, Lauren says daily yoga with weights three times a week, whole food, two meals per day, and uh, one homemade sun butter cup as a treat. I like that a lot. Uh, Donna's daily action items for a weight loss goal are drinking two liters of water, walking 15 minutes a day. I like that. I like how doable that is. No matter what else is going on, you can get that done. Brittany says, I want to increase my spirituality. How would I measure this? Well, my question to you would be, how would you know if you came to the end of the year that you did it? Would it be about time with God? Would it be about less time with things that distract you or whatever the spirituality is that I, I use the word God and maybe that's not what it is for you. Um, so I think the question, Brittany, is how do you measure this? How do you measure your spirituality? In that answer is going to be a lot of your process. Debbie says, for my January goal, I use a food diary app and log all food for the day. Uh, my January goal is to be on target with my food budget uh, on this app. I like that. Kim says, have tried everything to have one to two dry days a week and nothing seems to stop the urges. So why do the urges have to stop for you to have dry days? See, if you say like the urges haven't stopped, then what you're saying is if I have the urge, then I have to drink. And that's just not the case. I was baking cookies with Roman a couple of days ago. I absolutely had the urge to have a cookie and I didn't. I was at a very elaborate wedding over the weekend and had 
all my meals out, so much alcohol around. I absolutely had the urge to have a cocktail. I absolutely had an urge to eat everything off of the dessert table. And I didn't. Urges are not the problem. There's nothing wrong or dangerous or harmful or problematic about an urge. The problem is that you're letting the urge be in the driver's seat instead of you being in the driver's seat and observing it. If you want to have one to two dry days, you can have them independent of how many urges you have for alcohol. In fact, I would say you have to, because if having the urge for alcohol means that you have the alcohol, then you don't have control. Becca said yes to the consistency course. It's the best investment. Well, thank you, Becca. That's super, super sweet. I appreciate you saying that. And it is about to get so much better. I can't even tell you. I'm so excited. Uh, Anonymous said, what is the best way to approach myself when I'm not in the mood? You're not going to be in the mood a lot. The problem is when you expect a certain mood or you require a certain mood in order to align with certain behaviors. Here's the deal. We already do this. You know how many times I'm in the mood to change a poopy diaper? Never. And I do it every time regardless of my mood. And I approach things like eating well and not drinking and not having sugar in the same way. Why do I have to make it about my mood? It's about what is the right thing to do and the thing that aligns with what I want most. This is, I was talking about, you know, the, the five mindset cheat sheet that I'm going to make my consistency course and memorize. And this, this struggle of like, I'm not in the mood, I'm in a funk, I don't really feel like it. You don't make that matter in other areas of your life. Why are you making that matter here? How often are you in the mood to go to work in the morning? You go because you understand and you tell yourself the story of why that matters. All right. Uh, Carol's got hers for her weight loss goal. Cass says, my goal is to record an album of my original songs by the end of the year. Quarter one, I was thinking I would have a weekly goal to write music once a week and share a song each week with a friend or family member. Are these actions okay? Or should I try to come up with a daily action? I definitely think you need a daily action because you want that rhythm and you want that momentum and you want something that you can hold yourself accountable every day for driving results. Uh, is this a good example of a daily action item the night before plan and write out how I'll reach my protein goal? Yeah, absolutely. Having that plan and also executing it. Okay. The next thing, this is so huge. Have a process for holding yourself accountable daily. This can't just be an idea. This can't just be something that you thought about tonight or you thought about when you sat down to do the work tomorrow or a week from now, and then you hope that you'll hold yourself accountable. You need a process for daily tracking. I, I'm going to share with you what I use and a couple of recommendations and a couple of options. But before we do that, I want to share with you this very, very important idea. This is not my quote. I don't know whose quote it is, but it says, the degree to which a person can grow is directly proportional to the amount of truth they can accept about themselves without running away. This is why we need daily tracking. How often do we only get on the scale if we think it's going to be down? Be honest, right? I've played that game with myself before and it never goes well. Which is why, and I talked on the podcast about how I do not recommend this for most people. So don't say Elizabeth said that we should. Nope, I don't recommend this for most people. But I have for the last, I don't know, 45 days or so, maybe a little longer than that, 
I've been checking my weight every single day. Not because I have any expectation that it's just going to go down and down and down and down and down, but because of this quote, because I want to face the reality of my choices and what is happening with my body every day. That doesn't mean that if it's up, it's wrong. In fact, right now I'm like a day or two before I'm supposed to start my period. I very much expect my weight to be kind of wonky, but you know what won't be kind of wonky? My consistent behaviors. That doesn't change. If the scale is going up, if the scale is going down, my behaviors are consistent, but the checking my weight thing is to not look away. I cannot ignore it. I cannot deny it. I cannot drift or disengage from it. The degree to which a person can grow is directly proportional to the amount of truth they can accept about themselves without running away. And the without running away piece is a great reminder of why the drama and the judgment and the what the heck is wrong with me doesn't serve you. We just calmly observe what we are doing, the excuses that we're making, the results that we're creating, what is happening to our bodies or our businesses or our finances or our relationships. I want you to have something that you track every single day. If you have a debt goal, it could be the balance of your debt every single day. Is it tedious? Yes. Is it monotonous? Yes. Are you expecting to see big changes every day? No. Might the fluctuations make you a little crazy sometimes? That's your opportunity for growth. Something that you track every single day. It, I, I've been talking about the consistency calendar. I created that as a tool. It used to be something that was just available in the consistency course. I made one that is available to everybody because they've just been a huge part of success for me and so many other people. It's this big poster size year at a glance calendar. And I give myself stickers for sugar-free days. I give myself stickers for strength training days. And I look at it every single day. It's right over my desk. I'm there every single day. Even if on a Saturday or Sunday, I'm not there very often. I visually track that stuff every single day. I cannot look away. If there's a blank space of days because I didn't do what I said I was going to do, I'm going to face it. I'm not going to look away. I'm not going to write my goals in a notebook and shut it and then look at them six months from now with disappointment. Face something every day. There's another tool that I love, and it's an app called Streaks. I shared it with the consistency course. I might've even mentioned on the podcast, but it's a really, really great app that allows you to type in custom things that you want to track. And if you do it, you close the little circle for that day and it tells you how, how long your streak has been. That Now, let me talk about this for a second. There's going to be some people that if they break the streak, they're going to get all dramatic and they messed up and da 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 There's no mess up. It's just a tool for not looking away. It is not a tool for perfectionism. That is not what it is. Though I am not eating sugar right now, if I decided to have cake at the wedding, that would have been no failure. That would have been no big deal. I just would have gotten to my next best choice as quickly as possible. So hear me loud and clear. Beware of the drama. Beware of the drama. Beware of the drama. Beware of the drama. Um, Let's see here. Deirdre Ann says, I check my weight every day to hold myself accountable. And I also recognize what I ate or did cause the increase or decrease. It helps me stay accountable. Love that. Uh, Alicia says, speaking of truth, I recognize myself when you talk about drama. Today, I overate and wrote in my journal. I'm tired of myself and I feel like trash for so much failure. In hindsight, I see this is obviously unhelpful. When the drama in my head starts, do I just acknowledge it and move and move ahead anyway? I love to say to myself, so what, now what? 
And it's not so what, like, who cares? It's like, okay, so what now? You don't like this. What now? And that reminds me of the next thing that I always say to myself is get to your next best choice as fast as possible. Get to your next best choice as fast as possible. Okay, so I don't love the way my body looks right now. So what am I going to do about it? Let's get to my, let's use that feeling for something that is positive and that is action oriented in the direction of our goal. Because the more time and energy that we spend on like, I hate this, this sucks. I'm such a loser. I failed. Is energy and emotion we don't have to give to the solution. Molly says, my daily action item is working out five to six days a week and I track it on the consistency calendar plus a star sticker on the regular calendar in my house. I love that, Molly. I love that so much. Maria says, I love my consistency calendar. It's amazing. And I'm so proud of my three rows of circles. I love that. I love that so much. Um, Anne says, for weight, can an appointment with a scale be weekly? Can we pay attention to how clothes fit every day? Absolutely. Here's the thing. I do not recommend that most people weigh themselves daily because for me, for the longest time, I just wasn't emotionally neutral about it. And you have to be. You have to be. So I don't want anybody doing anything that's going to make them a crazy person if they don't have the emotional maturity for every single day or they just don't want to do that, emotional maturity aside. But even if you do that, and if you're checking your weight every single day, you have to have something that you're paying attention to. Paying attention to how your clothes fit is great. I don't think it's a it's a, a daily tracking thing though, because like if one day you wear yoga pants and one day you wear your big jeans and one day you wear your tight jeans, I want you to have something you track daily. So your daily action items can be that thing you track either on the consistency calendar or in a journal that you have or with the streaks app or something like that. Claudette says, every night I ask myself what I can do differently tomorrow. So if I screwed up, I think about how I can fix it tomorrow. Cool. I love that you have that process. Merle says, love what you just said. I can get stuck in how um, I look now and not liking it. And the thing is that that word stuck is exactly indicative of the problem. You are in your feelings about the problem instead of in your actions about the solution. That's a very different vibe. Carrie says, trying to figure out nutrition. Is it too much of an ask to track everything in an app or write it in a journal or am I being dramatic and it's not too much? Is it too much of an ask to trap, track everything in an app or write everything in a journal? I'm a big fan of writing down everything you eat, right? I mean, if you think it's too much, that's all relative. I don't tell myself that things are too much because of my, my experience. Too much is losing a child, right? Like for me personally, I know most people, thank God, don't have that experience, but it's all relative. So if I'm telling myself that like tracking my food is too much, I'm screwed because everything is going to be too much, right? Because like most things in life are harder than that. So I'm screwed. Um, Carrie says, or should I just start with breakfast, protein, carbs, no sugar? I don't know what you should start with, but I don't think that you should start with multiple things. I think you should start with one thing and then go from there. Uh, Ellie is checking her weight daily. She's using her consistency calendar where she's tracking no sugar, no eating out, and then her training and pliability daily. I love that, Ellie. Uh, Jill says her action items for weight loss, only eat when hungry, stop when satisfied, gallon of water, plan meals ahead of time. Dude, planning the meals ahead of time is such a helpful thing. Oh my goodness. 
Mary says a big number in black marker on the calendar showing the number of hours that my fast was for that day. Oh, that's cool. I like that you're tracking that. That's very cool. Uh, and then she has orange sticker for alcohol free, green sticker for gym day. That's cool, Mary. Thanks for sharing that. Carol says she tracks her food on Carb Manager daily. It's not too much. Love that. The, the couple other things that I want to talk about, and I want to be really mindful of your time. This is something that I posted on social the other day after a conversation that I had with one of my clients in the consistency course. And she was saying like, I really want to not be eating sugar at night. Like that's something I really want to stop doing. But no matter how many times I tell myself I want to stop doing it, I'm still doing it. And I said that that change that you're thinking, that eating behavior at night, that's actually not what change is. The change that we're after, the change we have to create and get involved with and initiate is what happens right before then. Because right before you open the fridge at 9.30, you're having a conversation with yourself about, I'm hungry, I want a snack, I want something sweet, this little bit won't hurt, I'm just going to have a little, I'll do better tomorrow, I've been so good all day. That conversation is what drives the behavior. And that conversation is actually where our energy needs to go for the sake of change. So you might have a daily action item that's like, get up when my alarm goes off and hit snooze. The change that you need is not actually getting up when your alarm goes off. The change that you need to make is the conversation that you have with yourself when your alarm goes off in the morning. And if you're saying, oh, I can do it later. I have time to do it later. It's not a big deal. It doesn't need to be done in the morning. I can still get it done. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying not now. I'm just going to hit snooze just once. That conversation that you have is what drives the behavior. But if your conversation instead is, in five minutes, you're going to be so glad you got up. So get your butt out of bed, right? Different conversations lead to different results. And so change, we think of the outcome, the behavior, but what determines the decision that we make and the action that we take is the conversation we're having with ourselves, the story that we're telling, the narrative that we create right before that moment. Does that make sense? That's just so huge, so huge. The last thing I want to say, you don't need major change, but you do need major consistency. So many people are struggling because they're chasing major changes and they lack major consistency. So they're inconsistently doing this and they're inconsistently doing that and they're inconsistently doing the next thing. And what they really need is consistency because lots of ways will work. But the only way that for sure doesn't work is inconsistency. And the problem with inconsistency is that it's exhausting, right? It's completely exhausting to work hard for a few days and then drift and disengage for a couple of days and then re-engage and get yourself back in. And you never get that momentum and you never truly change the core of your behavior because you lack that consistency. You do not need major change, but you do need major consistency. I did an episode um, on Saturday, I think it released, and it was about how I lost 10.2 pounds in 30 days, which is not a staggering number. But in this postpartum period of high stress, I mean, 
I have a wonderful life, but having two one-year-olds and a two-year-old is very stressful and I get overstimulated a lot. It's loud. It is really loud. And someone is always, always on me. And that postpartum period has been really challenging for me hormonally and uh, with sleep and things like that to lose weight. So to lose 10.2 pounds for me was really significant over a 30-day period, a 30-day period that also happened to include Christmas Eve, three Christmas parties, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, like a lot of stuff, right? There was no major change I made. There was just major consistency. And I want to reiterate that because it's very attractive to be like, well, if I make some major change, I'm going to get these major results. But that's not the way it happens. And you probably have the history to confirm that for yourself. It's major consistency. And that can be part of that narrative, that narrative right before the choice that is where change needs to happen for you. Sarah says, what is the consistency calendar? So I created this large poster size year at a glance calendar where it allows you every month to select the things like the daily action items we were just talking about. And it comes with a starter sheet of tracking stickers. So if you were tracking 10,000 steps a day and no sugar and whatever, drinking a certain amount of water, each day that you do those things, you get a sticker for a corresponding color. So if workouts are blue, you get a blue sticker on the day that you work out. And so you're visually seeing your consistency at a glance. Karen says, the convo before the behavior thing, I've been trying to be more aware of that lately. And most of the time you were in my head and I hear, I am a person who, and then fill in the blank. And it really, really helps that combo. I love that, Karen. Thanks so much for sharing that. Mina says, I'm always impressed with how quick you are in providing such succinct, intelligent, and powerful responses when questions are asked. Oh, thank you, Mina. That was really, really nice. She said, I always enjoy hearing you. A great way to spend the hour. I'm going to look into your consistency course. I've been hesitant to register uh, since I signed up with you, but never completed it. I guess I need consistency. That's the thing. So the sort of history there, I spent a year thinking about if I could only do one thing and I could only provide like one kind of flagship program, what would that be? And what came from that was the consistency course, because that's what's lacking is consistency. And so I wanted to put together tools. What do you do when you're in a place of, I just don't care? What do you do when you've disengaged and you're really having a hard time re-engaging? Those specific tools. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed and you're not sure where to start because everything needs to change and you just are overwhelmed? There's a tool for that. And so I, I, I mean, there's probably hundreds of tools. But then I also, so I put it all together and then I was like, okay, if somebody came in to all of these hundreds of tools and didn't succeed, why? And, and then I addressed all of those things. And one of them was coming in and being like, oh, I don't know where to start. And so I created a personalized jumpstart approach where you come in and you fill out this detailed form. And then based on your answers, I give you a specific place to start. So yeah, that's just a huge need. Molly says, thank you for this. It's my bedtime. Got to go. Sweet dreams, Molly. Uh, Iman says, the consistency course has been the best investment. Oh, thanks, guys. That's really sweet. Um, 
Tina says, I love there are two choices, but only one is worth it. Yep, absolutely. Um, Gigi says she hopes that this is the year that she gets the muscular strong body. She's always wanted at 64. See, and here's the thing, wanting it isn't enough, right? Is this the year you're going to work for that body? All right, everybody, that's all I've got for you tonight. Please know I'm always here to help or support in any way that I can. If there are topics you want to hear about on the podcast, let me know. If there are questions that came up uh, about anything that we went through tonight, let me know. If you're still leaving here, like, I'm not sure what to do with this goal, let me know. DM me on Instagram. I really do my best to be responsive. And uh, my plan is instead of emailing out a replay to just put this on the podcast as this coming Saturday's episode. So I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but that's sort of my tentative plan right now. But I hope you guys have an amazing night. Let's have January be a really momentum building month, a really big month of change and know that I am truly, truly invested in helping you make big changes as we go through this year. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great day.